0: Welcome to Beyond the Shire. My name is Jack Wolf. Welcome back. For today's adventure, we're going to ask ourselves this question. What are we seeking? What's everyone looking for? What are they seeking after? Uh, What do they want? What are they trying to find? You know, there are multiple things as followers of Christ that people could be looking for. Um, And people who are not followers of Christ, what are they looking for? We live in a world that offers really so much. And there's no judgment on anything that anyone's seeking. I'm just saying, what are the things that we're seeking after? We can seek a new car. Uh, we can seek a new used car. we can seek a new boyfriend, a new girlfriend. we can seek a new mate in life. We can seek after a new job we can seek after a nice vacation we can seek after a new home or we can seek after updating the current home that we live in you know we 're seeking that new restaurant, that new hotspot, that new place to relax and unwind I mean for crying out loud we live in a crazy world don 't we but what are we seeking? you know we can seek after a new church to be involved in. That's what we need. We just need a better church to be involved in, where that church meets our needs. And if I can be candid with us, you know, for the most part, and I want to be sensitive here, but... A lot of Christians are interested in finding a church well, that meets their needs or meets their family needs, and I understand that. Or we can seek after good Christian friends to be around so we can have some good, quote-unquote, fellowship. That's what we need. We, we need better fellowship. We see in the book of Acts, chapter 2, Verse 42 to 47, it kind of addresses this. I mean, we're talking about, uh, this is the early church getting started. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer, and everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, and all believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give to anyone who had a need, and every day, Every day, I guess. Every day, they continue to meet together in the temple courts. I guess we don't meet every day anymore, uh, other than maybe the people we're hanging around with. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily. Those that were being saved, they were in fellowship. And you know, we, we use that word a lot, fellowship. I'm looking for a good fellowship. What does that word mean? It means partnership. It means a contributory help. Couldn't hardly say it. It means participation. It means sharing in communion, spiritual fellowship, a fellowship in the Spirit. But this contribution, this help, this participation. So fellowship was not just, let's get together and have a cup of coffee. Uh, It meant partnership. What are we doing together? What are we contributing? And partnership is a contributory help. Participation and what? Now, forgive me for my cynicism. And by the way, I looked up the definition of cynicism, and that's a... It's an inclination to believe that people are motivated purely by self-interest and skepticism. And then what, what are we motivated by? What are we seeking after? What are we looking for? Now, uh, with all due respect, we've heard the phrase over and over again. And I've pastored a church for many, many years. And and uh, I loved uh, helping people and being involved. And I still do ministry and still preach and share But, you know, when people would come in, I'm I'm just looking for a good church. I'm looking for something that supports my family. I'm looking for something that meets my needs. And everybody wants to be involved uh, in in a good church, in a good community. And and I respect that. But I'm afraid that the stats uh, that we look at year after year after year is it less and less people are actually attending the church, and if you will, going into a building, because the church is not a building. Um, it's not a brick and mortar. We know this. We call it, we're going to church, but the church is a group of people, like the book of Acts talked about, where they were devoting themselves to prayer, seeking God, getting out there and making a community, doing whatever it took to see people come um, to Christ. So, you know, more more now than ever, and if you have this look in church, there's still, and I, I know there's an exception to this, so I, I I get it. So I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but let's, let's be honest. Church growth in America in particular is not because we're winning the lost and we're seeing people give their hearts to Christ. And it is happening, but not the way that it used to, not in days gone by. And a lot of church growth, if you will is people changing churches, finding something that meets their needs better. And then one church loses people and the other church gains more. And we kind of go back and forth with this. It's kind of transferring around, changing our jerseys and our name and all those kind of things. That's, you know, and, and I understand it to a point, but that's not why the church exists. That's not why the body of Christ is on this planet. It's about rescuing people from darkness, And, of course, I'm not suggesting that people are not coming to Christ in churches around the world. They are. I'm not suggesting that people don't come to Christ in our own country. They are. What I am saying is that we have to be careful that we don't lose our focus on reaching the lost. And when I say lose our focus, I'm talking to every single one of us, me included, who are believers, that we have lost our focus individually on sharing our faith with those who do not know the Lord. Do we, do I, look for opportunities to share my faith? Well, more now than ever. it was much easier uh, when I had a pulpit every Sunday, you know, to to get up and preach the Word. But again, I found myself back in those days more than ever um, worrying about how to feed the sheep instead of how to equip the sheep to push back the powers of darkness and reach more of the lost. Now, um, you know, I'm I'm not sharing where, about where you attend church, you know, but about where you, you, you sharing, this is where I go to church, but sharing your faith, sharing how the Lord has changed your life. And let me share this. This is a, a bit of a, of a tangent for me to some degree. While I respect writers who write books about the Bible, I might suggest to all of us that we could probably stop buying all Christian books. All of them. Yep, I said it. So if I write a book, don't buy it. And only read one book, the Bible. Well, you might say, well, well, how am I going to understand the Bible unless the preacher or teacher tells me what it means? And while I admit that preachers and teachers help us have understanding in the Bible, when we, if we rely on that solely and we get our little time in the Word and we're not in the Word daily, regularly reading it, listen, it's not that hard to understand. Now, I admit there are places that are hard to understand and are confusing. But here's the thing. Do your research. How would I find out? Look it up in the original language. Get a Greek, um, get a Greek Bible that that and interprets the word in the original language. That's what I did on the other definition up above there. When I looked at the word fellowship, I went to my Strong's Concordance. I found out what fellowship meant, and it, it expanded the idea of fellowship. You can look things up in the original language. You know, God will be with you. He'll, he's, you're filled with His Spirit. He can give you understanding. And here's what you'll discover. Most of these things are are easy to understand when I look in the original language. Not everything, but listen, at least 80% of it. Let let me think about this. Proverbs is filled with common sense instructions that are very easy to comprehend. I mean, this one verse would change the world. Proverbs chapter 1 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, fear here means respect. The respect of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But then it gives us a bit more but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So it's telling us that if I respect the Lord, if I look to the Lord, if I look to him, if I read his word and I respect what he has to say, that I am going to live a life that's going to be way different than those who do not respect the Lord, that don't care about his wisdom and his instruction. Do I like all of his instruction? Of course not. But here's what I found out over all my years serving the Lord. Whatever he has to say, it's actually benefited me when I've listened to it and applied it to my life. And most of us who are parents understand this. As moms and dads, we offer wisdom and instruction, life experience that helps our kids navigate life. I remember just sharing very simple things with my kids, like You know, when they shake hands with somebody, look them in the eye. Give them them respect. Don't look away. Be proud of who you are. That's not in the book of Proverbs, but nonetheless, in the book of Proverbs are these really common sense things that if we lived our life by it, I mean, wow, the the things that we would see change. And it covers so many things, work and money and and just on and on and on. Tells us to look at the ants and consider how they work. What does that mean? I mean, God's given us these things that help us to have understanding. So I'll tell you that while, while the world will never be perfect until the Lord returns, it will dramatically change if every believer committed themselves to reading the Word, to applying the Word, reading and applying. So I'm not reading it just for a devotional moment only to enhance my walk with the Lord. I'm reading it to do that and to find a way to apply it in the world in which I live. Now, let me get back to uh, this whole seeking thing. I was on a tangent there and about motivation. Why did Jesus come? Why did he come? Luke 19.10 tells us, you don't need a Greek uh, dictionary to discover this, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's why he came. Did he ever have a vacation? More than likely. Did he ever relax and watch a little TV? No, but probably attended some activity in the community. Yes. But that's not what he was seeking. That was a part of life, of course, but at the core, at his heart, I said, I came to seek and save the lost. Now, I'm a a little ornery, but I want you to imagine Jesus as he grew up and he went to the synagogue. As he went to the synagogue, was he thinking, you know what? I need to find a good place to attend synagogue. I just need to find a good place to hang out and get with some people that I like and listen to some music that I care about, and I'm just looking for a place that I feel comfortable and you know, just kind of, you know, really, you know, meets my needs. That's, that's what I'm after. Honestly, we hardly see Jesus in the synagogue. And some of the times we saw him in a synagogue, I mean, he came in, made a whip, one of the places and drove out the money changers. No, not Jesus. Jesus was on the hunt. He was seeking people to save. He was seeking people that were lost. He told his disciples on one occasion to, Lift up their eyes because the harvest was plentiful. They were saying, oh, Lord, it's four months before the harvest comes. He's just giving us a simple story. Jesus said, oh, no, no. Lift up your eyes. The harvest is plentiful. He was getting them to put their intention on people. He told them what, what, where to go and what to do. See, all of this work, all of this kingdom work is not done by professionals. No, it's not done by professionals only. It's done by every single one of us who are believers. It's not just for paid professionals. When we leave church, you know, we we could talk, talk about the worship or whatever. I like kind of like that song or this really touched me. And there's good reflection there. I'm not saying that there is, but sometimes we can miss that that that's just the tip of the iceberg. The this book that we read gives us what we need to accomplish what is on the Lord's heart for those who do not know Him. Of course, there are people coming to know the Lord in churches in our country and around the world, but I would suggest that we are at the tip of the iceberg on what could be happening if each and every believer developed an awareness in their minds and in their hearts about what's going on around them and what they're actually seeking after. Listen to this. Out of the book of Acts. If you got your Bible, um, grab it. This is just really straightforward stuff, easy to understand. The church is getting going. Acts chapter 4 starts in verse 29. Listen to this. Now, Lord, consider their threats and listen to this. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. What a what an honest prayer. God, give us the boldness to speak your word. They, they weren't going, I got this. They were saying, Lord, I need your help. Guess what? I need his help. You need his help. Verse 30, stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. And all of the believers were in one heart and mind. And it just goes on and on right there. They came and they spoke the word of God boldly. Now, a lot of times we say, well, you know, that, that's really not me. That, that's really not me. Uh, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not a bold guy. I'm, I'm just kind of an introvert. The Bible is filled with introverts and extroverts and every type of personality and gift. And without exception, each and every one of them were committed to seek, to seek, to lift up their eyes and share a message. What stirs this message is is the moment of wickedness that's on the rise. Listen, shaking our heads is not going to change it. Going, oh my gosh, what's going on in the world is not going to change it. The only thing that's going to change it is what happened in the early church. needs to be going on right now. We need to be seeking and saving those that are lost. I mean... One day the Lord's going to return and, and I love, uh, Romans chapter 10, you know, and listen to this, listen to this verse eight. He says, but what, what does it say? The world is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If we declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame for there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then, Can they call on the one that they've not believed in? That's a question. And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Listen. I'm thankful that the Lord has given us a beautiful place to live. And I know that in the world in which we live, it's far from equitable. I've traveled the world. Ah, We are, I'm spoiled. I, I'm, I'm blessed. We've got so much, we have so much beauty around us. The jobs and the family and the vacations and the weekends and a place to relax and unwind. And yes, yes, yes. The Lord wants us to enjoy each and every one of those experiences. And yet... He does not want us to forget the main thing that we're seeking to seek and save the lost. look can i I want to encourage you. the Lord wants to he is using your life. He has used your life. He will continue to use your life, but what's on my heart is that myself included let Let's kick it up a few gears. Let's get our hearts stirred. Let's dig into the Word. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to use us. The world that we live in will only change. Well, like when the Apostle Paul was changed in the book of Acts, he had one encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Apostle Paul. And the book is filled with so many people. And the world is filled with so many people. And I congratulate and applaud every good thing that's going on. But I'm just going to say it's not enough. And I'm going to try with the Lord's help to lift my voice more, to seek and save those that are lost. I'm going to try. You know what? You can too. You know what? We can all make a difference together. And as you're fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters in Christ, let's remind each other often why we're here what we're seeking after. Enjoy all that God's given us, but never lose sight that we're seeking to see people who are saved, who are lost. And their life will change. And the world in which you live will become better and better. Yes, evil will still have its uprising. But at some point in time, a trumpet's going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise. The Lord shall return and evil will be done away with as it will be cast into a place that will never be known by, by any of us. I'm thankful for what the Lord's done in our life in my life. And I'm thankful for what he's done in yours. But I'm going to tell you and I'm going to encourage you. There's so much more that we can do. And let's do it together. And together, we'll see the kingdom expand and grow. And we'll be thankful for it. And they'll be thankful for it as their life has changed. Listen, I love you. I hope you have a great week. We'll talk to you next time.